I will, I will try to project. I will definitely try to project. Yes. I know your sister, Chaya. Ah. She was very good friends with my daughter. Ah, those are the other Schusters, I think. Ah, really? The, the, the German Yekish Schusters, yeah. Ah. We're the Polish ones. But they're supposed to be wonderful people. No. Oh, oh no, not Mirshi. I talked to him. I wanted to be related to him. That's why I I wasn't able to. I didn't manage I'm just going to keep learning. Thank <laughs> you. 
Shalom, everyone. Uh, by now, uh, Rabbi Schuster is a man who needs uh, no introduction. So, uh, <laughs> uh, but still, uh, we really very appreciate that uh, Rabbi Schuster makes uh, time to come. Uh, I believe last Shuas was our uh, inaugural event with Rabbi Schuster, and uh, now everyone looks forward to his uh, divrei Torah in Hachanos for uh, for the various uh, holidays, getting us in the uh, in the right frame of mind, like. Very few other people can do, and we very much appreciate it. Thank you very much, Rabbi Wolf. I, only when I came here, and it's always a pleasure to come to Nerev Rome, I got to see the sign. So I come on the day of Achnosa Sefer Torah, which is uh, really special. It's Yom Chasunosa, Yom Sim Chaslibo. It's like a wedding. And uh, many communities have the custom to bring a, a badchen to start off the wedding. So... I felt very much in place. Okay, so let's try to take a look at this uh, huge concept of Torah, Matan Torah, um, and Shavuos, which is coming up. We're going to actually spend the entire shir expanding on a very cryptic comment that was made by, uh, by Rosh Hashiva, Baron Shechter you should be well, in response to a question. This is what, what had happened. Um, I was learning at that time in his yeshiva in Chaim Berlin, and the, the Rosh Hashiva would have in his house, every other Motsoy Shabbos, uh, the boys would come and learn Pachad Yitzchak with him, the writings of his Rebbe Rav Huttner, and he would read very slowly and explain, and uh, it could take, there was no set time that it would finish, it could take an hour, it could take two hours, and uh, I loved it. You know, some people had a hard time maybe with the timing. And there was one time after learning a very deep Indian, there was a young man, a brilliant young man, um, who was a very practical type of person. And he came over to the Rosh Hashiva at the end, and he said, can I ask practically, what am I supposed to get from all of this? So he paused, and he said, I'm going to answer you, I don't want you to respond to my answer. I just want you to think about it. He said, there's more to life than cornflakes and milk. That was it. There's more to life than cornflakes and milk. Okay, so let's try to see if we can understand what he meant and to absorb it in a way that we'll understand what we're hoping to try to do with Kabbalah Satura, with Shavuos. Before the Aser Sadibros, before... These ten commandments, statements, is a very puzzling pasuk. Hashem said all of these things, saying, what is this introduction? So Rashi says, expressed, said, all of the aseras adibros in one utterance. Says, a human being can't say all these things simultaneously in one instant. We have no concept what that would sound like. We have no kalim, we have no vessels to absorb such a thing. And then the question is, 
why did HaKadosh Baruch Hu do that? Then afterwards he said one by one, What is the purpose of that, that overload of whatever it was, this sensory experience that we couldn't absorb? So one of the answers that I saw was, before you received the Torah, which comes in words and letters and sentences with instructions for things that we do in Olamazeh, you have to remember what the Torah is. You have to know what it is you are receiving. It's something which is beyond the world. It's Eish Charal Gabe Eish Levona, black fire on white fire. It comes down to us in this form of this Torah that we're able to pick up and to read and to do. But if you don't understand what it is, you can't be Makabel. In order to receive, you need to know what it is in order to have the proper kli to receive it. Right? If, if someone, right, a very pitiful uh, physical emotional, if somebody, you're at a kiddush and somebody's got a big pot of chont and he's dishing out, and you come with a napkin, you can't get the chont. Right? That's not going to work. You don't realize how hard it is. You don't realize how everything it is. You got the wrong keli. So that was there to help us understand this very idea to know what we're getting. Okay? This is. There's a beautiful Archaim HaKadosh in the beginning of Parshas Bamidbar, right, which spoke about the idea of Hashem speaking to Moshe Rabbeinu Bamidbar Sinai, Bo'el Moed, Be'echor, Achorosh Hasheni, Bashon Hashenis. Now the Archaim HaKadosh says, usually time and place work in parallel. But here, in terms of the location, it went from the general to the specific. Midbar Sinai, which is the big general location, or Moed, which is the specific location. But in terms of the date, it went from specific to general. Day, month, year. Why shouldn't they be in the same parallel order? So explain they are. He says, in fact, Midbar Sinai is the specific. Or Moed is the general. Now, we want to tell the Rechaim if you look from a satellite, you could see big Sinai Desert. And little Oomoid, which is in there. He says, but you're forgetting what's inside the Oomoid. Inside the Oomoid is the Aran Kodesh. Inside the Aran Kodesh is the Torah. The entire world comes from within the Torah, is a projection from within the Torah. So understanding this, as much as we can understand it, even understanding that we don't understand it, gives us the Kalim to receive Torah. Okay, now the Bach... And the Torah explains that this is really what we're supposed to be thinking about with Birchus HaTorah every day. Right? Really, the Torah himself starts talking about it. When we say, right, Asher He chose us from all the nations. The Torah says, Every day you're supposed to be thinking about that giving of the Torah at Sinai. That he chose us and brought us close to the Harvishmi And he spoke to us through fire and he gave us a Torah which is Kedusha itself. She based meaning that's our very source of life. But he says, the vessel of Hashem's delight, So even though it's very hard for us to even understand those concepts, that's good. We have to understand that when we're approaching the Torah, we're approaching the infinite. We're approaching the incomprehensible. 
But a Kaddish Baruch Hu gave it to us in a way that we can connect to it and that we can learn it and we can absorb it and we can connect to him in that way, fulfilling what the Zohar Kodesh says that people quote so often, Yisrael HaRaisa V'Kudsha B'Richu Chadu. The Torah and Am Yisrael and HaKadosh Baruch Hu are all one. And the Torah is that which connects us. The Bach says that by learning, a person has to realize, that what we do when we learn, or what we're supposed to aspire to do, is to connect to the Kedusha and the spirituality that's in the Torah. Okay, this is a very important thing that we need to remember, and that happened at Matan Torah. Every aspect of the way HaKadosh Baruch Hu revealed himself at Matan Torah, He showed us the infinite. He showed us the connection between ourselves and him and the Torah, and that created the Jewish identity. That is who we are, and this is what we have inside of ourselves. The Zohar Kodesh says that if a person approaches the story in the Torah, so to speak, simply as a story, it says the, the harshest terms about him. Right? This is a person because you're really not living a spiritual reality. You've turned the Torah into some kind of book of customs or jurisprudence or these types of things. It says it's as if you're talking to a person and all you see is the person's lavush. You see their sweater. Who was that fellow you were talking to? He said, oh, a blue sweater. You were talking to a blue sweater? Uh-huh. Right? It's ridiculous. <laughs> There's a person in there, and that person has an identity, and that person has a soul. He says that's the, what happens if a person learns Torah in that superficial approach. A person doesn't need to know the deep concepts of Kabbalah in order to fulfill this form of Kabbalah Satara. You simply have to know that it's there. You have to know that there's level upon level upon level in the Torah. The Mojitz Rebbe in his Sefer Divi Yisrael, he quoted his grandfather, Cheskel Kuzmir, who said when we say in Rosh Hashanah Davening, at the end of the Psukim of Malchus, in your Torah it's written, he said that's in every single word in the Torah. Rabban says all the Torah's names of Hashem. Meaning there's no Pasuk in Torah, no word in Torah, no letter in Torah that doesn't scream out, Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. And for us to know that enables us to connect to it in that way. It's fascinating when you think that any part of the Torah can do it. The Rambam tells us that there's no more Kedusha in the Pasuk, Anochi Hashem Elokecho, than in the Pasuk, Achos Timno. Any pasuk in the Torah, any word in the Torah, is a receptacle, is a vessel, is transmitting that kedusha which is there. Revolba writes in his sefer. He says that therefore, a person can make that deep connection with Hakadosh Baruch Hu and kedusha and Torah from any part of the Torah. He says it doesn't necessarily have to be something which is about a deep philosophical concept. It can be anything. And I wanted to share with you that I, I really got to see this once in person. It was a time I was working with different Israeli fellows in a certain context, and many Israelis, especially after the army, loved to go on trips to India. So I was talking to this fellow, and he 
was telling me how he went and he spent a lot of time in India and he got into meditation, got into all these things. And he spent a, a longer time than just a short trip. He said, meanwhile, in Eretz Yisrael, my brother was becoming from. So I would come back to Israel and I would visit him. I would hear about what he was doing. And one time when I came back, I saw he was learning a big Gemara. I said, can I learn with you? He said, sure. And we learned and I felt it. I, I realized that I, I, I saw, I knew. And that was what changed my life. I said, can I ask you what you learned? He said, yeah. He says, there's a certain plant called tzlaf, the caper bush. And it was a Gemara in brachas talking about what bracha you make on the different parts of the plant. right? What bracha on the flowers, what bracha on the leaves, what bracha on the berries, what bracha on the buds. I said, you kidding? That, that was what you learned? He said, yep. That was what changed your life? I said, yes. And I, I felt it. You know, it was hard for me to understand. But when we see this, that's what Revolver meant. It's there. He timed it. He had an interesting... He said, he said, you know, I think I may have become more receptive to the Kedusha because I started being a really strict vegetarian in India. So I was eating less trife, he said, so maybe my neshava was more open. Okay, I don't know. Okay, so this is what we're trying to do. The more that we know this, the more that we... And that's really covered hatara. Covered has to do with uniqueness. Futner always explained that that's covered is recognizing the uniqueness of something. Kavar Torah means that we recognize that the Torah is not like anything else in the world. There is no, no code of law, no form of wisdom, no anything. It's entirely different. If Mordechai Gifter, that's all, Yeshiva tells, he was one of those few American boys who went back to Europe to learn in the great yeshivas there before the war. He learned in Tells. And there he formed a connection with a unique personality of Mordechai Pogromansky. He was uh, in, not just a genius, but a kaddush and an amazing personality. That, and he especially took the boys from Chutzle, Chutzle Tells. I was almost said Chutzle, it's okay. Chutzle Tells, and he, uh, he drew them close. So if Gifter related, he said that one day he came into, Mordechai had an apartment outside the yeshiva. He wasn't married, but he had a certain apartment, and boys would come there to talk to him and hear from him. And he walked in, and he was learning the Sefer, Leshem Shvovach Loma, right? Which is uh, the Sefer of explaining Kabbalah, of Yoshev Zetzel's grandfather, the Leshem, it's always known as. And he was learning that. And Rav Motel said to him, he says, come, I, I want to explain this to you. And he right away, he started like backpedaling, and he, and he said, no, I, I, don't, I don't do that. I, I don't do that stuff. I don't know anything about it. He says, I will explain to you, it will be clear. And he says, he for hours, about four hours, he explained this concept he was learning. He said it was clear as a bell then. Afterwards, it faded. You know, there were parts of it that I remembered. And it was clear to me that he did that because he wanted me to know it was there. He knew I wouldn't be remembering it, mastering it, etc. But he wanted me to know that it was there. Look at that picture of Matantara of all these things in a way that we couldn't even comprehend, but we had to know that that is Torah. He said, before you go back into your Gemara Rashi and Tosos, I just want you to know that this is there. This is behind it. This is inside all of it. A fascinating story is um, someone, Wolf knows his name, Mishulam Isaac, he was a close Talmud of 
Rav Scheinberg. He was one of the group that came from the Yeshiva Torah in America when they moved here to Eretz Yisrael. And he said soon after they moved here, he saw Rav Scheinberg look kind of sad. And he said, uh, what's wrong? It's always a very person, very besimcha. He said, a mishlachas came to me, a delegation came to me. It was sent by very important Rabbonim in Eretz Yisrael. And they came to tell me the following. Rav Scheinberg had a very unique um, form of Avodos Hashem that he would wear many, many, many talaskotans at the same time. Right? If you saw him, he looked kind of like a football player with massive shoulders. Right? They say that at one time, for medical reason, he had to take them off. And he was like swimming in his frock coat because he was a very skinny person. But uh, many, 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 many tzitzis. And uh, oh, they say, I heard the only person he told why discussed it was the Chazanish and his wife. So this Mishlachas came and said, you came to Eretz Yisrael, you're opening a yeshiva, you have the ability to spread much Torah, but this makes you look very strange, and we're afraid that people are just not going to come to you. They're going to be distant from you. We're asking you to drop this custom of yours for the sake of Torah that you can spread more. So he said, his Talmud there, he says, there's something very important that I accomplish by wearing these tzitzis. He says, the only other way I might be able to do it, he says, if you and the other Bochum in the yeshiva would give me, so to speak, again, these are terms I don't understand, for what I'm trying to accomplish, 15 minutes of your learning, I might be able to accomplish the same thing. So Shulam said, I said to him, really, take 15, take an hour, take, <laughs> you, you got it, whatever you want. He said, the next day of Scheinberg came to him, he says, forget what I said about the 15 minutes. I can't take your 15 minutes of learning. Be like stealing candy from a baby. You have no concept what 15 minutes of learning are. He kept his meaning and he, and he spread Torah. But again, this idea, you come, you have a little Seder, you learn something. Don't minimize it. Realize what it is you have and you're connecting to. And in fact, you can connect to it from any part of Torah, from a Pasuk of Tilim, from Mishnah of Pirkei Ovos, as long as you're approaching it in the right way. As long as you're Makabalit, as it was given in Sinai, then you can connect. Otherwise, a person could be a walking encyclopedia and know a lot of Torah knowledge, but not have really been Makabal Torah. It doesn't have it. All the powers ascribed to Torah, sometimes we look at them and we say, I don't know, it doesn't seem to be working. Chazal say that if a person learns Torah, even if he's doing sins, the shining light in the Torah, the illumination of the Torah will bring them back to the good. And you look, you can see people studying Torah in Jewish studies programs and universities in all sorts of places. You see, it doesn't seem to be doing it, right? It doesn't seem to be doing anything. It only has that power if you approach it as a ma'ar, as a source of light coming from beyond this world into this world. Otherwise, it won't do good. It can even do bad. Torah magnu matzla, the Torah protects us, saves us. Again, that's talking about giving us something supernatural, powers to fight the eight Sahara to enable us to do, but if you don't approach the Torah as the supernatural, you don't receive it. You didn't create the kli, and you didn't receive that. Nowadays, it's become a very topical discussion. Recently, people are talking a lot about artificial intelligence. 
Okay, artificial intelligence has been around in many forms for decades already, but now it's suddenly become readily available to the market, to everyone. There are programs now that you can, you can play with at home. You can ask it questions, and it'll answer you, right? And you can ask it questions about Jewish things as well. And because it has access to all sorts of databases, it can put things together. So oftentimes when you ask the first time, it won't, um, it won't get it straight. But if you ask it some more questions, the answers start to get better. People have asked it to write a drusha for a bar mitzvah on Parshas Maso, and it comes up with something not too bad, right? A couple of jokes, a gematria on the kid's name, you know, it, it, it comes out there, right? And uh, rabbis are starting to sweat, wondering, right, what's happening. Schools are afraid, you know, how are we going to detect it? The kids didn't write the things themselves, and people are saying, yes, this will be able to replace Rabboni, right? Imagine this thing, you know, with all the respect, you guys, you're trying to learn, etc. It's got it all, right? You have to fine-tune the program and all these things, but you'll ask, right, according to the Ramah, what should I do? In this case, of, you know, etc. Bang, you get it out there. So I recently heard of Yitzhak Breitowitz speaking, and he quoted the Vilna Gaon who explained that there are two things in Torah. There's Yediya Satara, but there's what's called Chochma Satara. Chochma Satara means that the person is transformed by the Torah. The person becomes living Torah. The person sees the world through entirely different eyeglasses, has entirely different sensitivities. It's not a matter of gathering data from a database. It's entirely different. The, um, the Gemara says, right, Kamo tipshi inshi, how stupid, how foolish are those people that come and they say for Torah, that stand up for a Sefer Torah, and they don't stand up for a Gavir they don't stand up for a Talmud Chacham. So what do they say, these people? Mayahamilon Chachomim. What do Chachomim do for us? You know, what do they do for us? And now... It's even more. They used to be able to, you know, make your pot kosher if you messed up. Now I don't even need them for that. <laughs> what do we need it for? I'll ask my computer. So the Gemara gives a fascinating answer. It says, the Torah says in the Pasuk, It says that there are certain avers in the Torah that require an onesh, a punishment of Malchus, for the person to get kapara, for a person to cleanse from his avera. And the Torah says he will get 40 lashes. And the Chachamim said, you know what 40 means? It means 39. So don't start saying what the Chachamim do for us. So That's it. That's it. I mean, you know, if I'm still conscious at 39, you know, it's true. I may not like the 40. That's it. So the Rosh Hashiva of Yeshiva's Chachmi Lublin, after Rav Meir Shapira's Atal was from her, he was known as the Kajiklaverov. He was, um, he was a, a huge Talmud Chacham, and in Sefer Eretz Tzvi, he says this is what it means. He says the idea of 40 represents completeness. Right? The Torah was given, and he says that if a Jew truly did an Avera with all of his heart and all of his soul, so it's true, he would be liable to receive 40 Malkas those 40 lashes. However, the Chachamim saw and knew that no Jew ever does an Avera with all of his heart and soul. 
Never. There's always that nukudah inside the Jew that doesn't want to do so. And that's why it can never be more than 39 lashes. What that represents is that the Chachamim are able to receive the Torah with its Ruchnius and Kedusha and see the world beyond what other I've seen. They take us to that other dimension, which leads to dimension upon dimension. That's my Ahanilon Chachamim. They're receptacles of Chachma Satara, of Kedusha Satara. And that is why we need them constantly. A friend of mine, Rav Shimon Spitzer, said a fascinating theory connected to this. A lot of times we see young people, and sometimes older people, who are always testing boundaries. They're always, they're always testing boundaries. They always want that which they're not allowed to do, but they're not able to do. Even, let's say, in a yeshiva framework, right? There's some guys that yeshiva is learning Bava Kama, he wants to learn Harius, right? Morning Seder is from 9 to 12.30. He wants to learn Harius from 1 to 3, and that's it, right? These different pushes for, for things that are new, things that are unreachable. A lot of times, he says, we look at this and we say, okay, he's a teenager with a big Yetzirah. What can you do? But Chazal tell us that the Yetzirah Tov comes in at Bar Mitzvah and Bas Mitzvah. What we're seeing, he says is the Yetzir HaTov. In other words, you look at a teenager shifting, a lot of times you don't see, oh, here's the Yetzir HaTov, right? Usually we kind of think it's the opposite uh, phenomenon. But he says the push, the Yetzir HaTov is hungry. The Yetzir HaTov wants that which is beyond this world. And if it's not getting it, so in its desperation, it'll scramble for anything. Even our excitement about new food is somewhat connected to that. If suddenly they announced there's a new Indonesian restaurant with a good Hesher, line outside the street. You ask somebody online, um, have you had Indonesian food? No. You know what it tastes like? No. <laughs> it's new. Never had it before. There's something in there that the Neshama wants. It's a klipa. It's the outer shell of that desire, but it's representing something that's alive, that it is alive in there. And if and when a person is able to experience that aspect of Torah, the Torah which is something beyond my world, then it finds, I find what I love. If it's able to get in that way, it's able to connect, and then it's able to see it and find it in the halachas of what bracha you make on the leaf of a tzlaf plant. Ramon Shapira, that's how said, that simcha comes when you reach that which is beyond your boundaries. He gave a simple example. He says, you see a little child, a two-year-old, trying to climb up onto a counter in the kitchen. He tries, he fails, he tries, he fails. When he finally clambers his way up onto the counter, right, maybe getting closer to the candies and cookies or something, he, he laughs. Why is he laughing? He says, it's the simcha of reaching that which is beyond the limitations of your world. That is part of us. That's true simcha. When Chazal talk about measurements, there's a tefach, Right? But there's a tefach sochakas. The tefach is like a hand's breadth, but when the fingers are together, tight. Chazal called the tefach where the fingers are loose and it's bigger than a tefach would really be a laughing tefach. He says because it contains more than a tefach itself should contain. An eifah, which is a measure, let's say, for flour. So in your cookbooks, you'll hear about a heaping teaspoon. A teaspoon holds a teaspoon's worth of flour, but you can heap it up and it holds a teaspoon and a half. It's more than the kli contains. It's beyond the boundaries of the kli. Chazal called an eifah, right, which is there. It called it a happy eifah. 
And Eifel, which has less, is not tzuva, right? Is, is, is sad, so to speak. So this is the idea that a person is able to find simcha if you're able to reach that aspect of Torah that is above and that comes above. So when we approach Shuras, we have to really change the entire approach. Sometimes people approach Shuras as, first of all, it's very hard to know how to approach Shuras at all because the mitzvahs, the raisa, are very few. We don't have the base amigdash to bring the korbonos, to bring the shtei alechem. Cheesecake is not the raisa. Staying up all night is not the raisa. You know, so what do we have? We have a mitzvah of simchas yontav. We have a mitzvah to be happy. And that simcha can only be there if we understand that we're reaching beyond the boundaries of our world. And if we approach the Torah that way, and that is behind this concept of staying up all night and treating it as something which is far beyond, then a person is able to get it. Some people come into Shavuos kind of bored. They say, listen, I bought in a long time ago. I learned Torah, right? I learned plenty of Torah. I know lots of Torah, right? So what's new on Shavuos? Not much. He eats the cheesecake. He learns with the people at night. Not that much. Another person comes in with another type of collegiate. Shavuos is not for me. Shavuos is not for me. I'm not a big learner. And when it comes to doing Torah, I'm not so great at that either. So I don't even know if I deserve my cheesecake. Doesn't mean I'm not going to eat it, but you know, I don't really feel that you know, it's coming to me so much. Both of those people are entirely wrong. The Torah is given to us every day, to each and every one of us. And as long as a person connects to the Kedusha in Torah, receives it as it should, then they're fulfilling Shuas. And then they'll be able to feel the Simcha of the Yontav. And to know that that's there, to know that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave that and wanted every single one of us to experience that. The Medrash says that if one Jew hadn't been at Matan Torah, it wouldn't have happened. Right? One person sleeping away in his tent, you know, doesn't want to come, says, you bring my peace to me, or whatever it is. It has to be done. All of us have to be there. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives it to all of us, wants it to all of us. And if we're able to remember that very simple fact of Bircha Satara, the Navi Yermiyo asked, Alma of the Haaretz, why was the land lost? It says, because they abandoned my Torah. Hashem uses not the Torah, my Torah. And it tells us, right, that Chazal say, what does that mean? That they didn't say, and that's mind-boggling to us. Who has Yetzirah not to say, my list of Yetzirahs, that's like not high up there, right, to do, why would they, and it implies that they're learning, just they're not saying, so many Mepharshim explain, it doesn't mean they didn't say the words of Bircha Satara. They didn't understand the concept of Bircha Satara. What the Bach said, that as I'm about to learn Torah, when it says, Shnai moch zim batalis, and the din is yachloku, like the Balatanya said, you have to read it, Habareolo mame yachloku. HaKadosh Baruch Hu speaking to you with that yachloku. And that yachloku can be explained on level upon level upon level upon level to remember that it came, mitocha esh, and this is what you'll be embracing at the Achnasa Sefer Torah tonight. Within that seemingly finite scroll is infinity, is embracing, again, the Balatani uses the image, embracing the king in his robes. Mazel tov to all of you, to the whole Kehillah. May you be to continue with your Kabbalah Satara. 
in echus and kamos and quality and quantity and spreading it more from Yisrael.